welcome to Bitstorm, a comedy game design podcast by two guys who know nothing about comedy nor game design. I'm Travis Gotten. With me, as always, is Ben Slinger. Welcome to the back 200 of Bitstorm. <laughs> the back 200? Yeah, we did the front 200. Now we're on the back 200. And, uh, and then what happens when we get to the end of this 200? We find a new course. <laughs> Okay, so it's just, it's all about the golf course. Uh, I don't know, I don't play golf. Or the pod course, as it were. The pod course, sure. Uh, yeah, hey, hey everyone. We, so what's uh, on the pod course tonight? What is on that menu of pods, uh, to break the metaphor to pieces? I think uh, we're going to jump right into some ramped up click pitch, but we may bring in some of our other segments that we kind of played with last week now that we've- yeah, sort of got some Come up nice, with them. <laughs> nice ways to do that. Uh, so we might do some movie tie-ins and we might give a second chance click pitch a try from our episode number two. But I think let's start with some regular old ramped up click pitch. And this is a game where we each have a random word generator in front of us. And on the count of three, two, one click, we're going to get a new phrase, an adjective and a noun each. And we're going to Say them out loud, and we're going to turn that into a game design. That's the game. Let's play it. Okay. Three to one pitch. Yeah. I mean, click. <laughs> Murdered. Flagging. Traveled. Wrecking. Ooh. So, flagging is kind of like to slow down, I guess, to run out of steam, perhaps, if you're flagging. Mm-hmm. Um. Unless you're flagging down motorists. Also true. Yes. Yes, that's a good option, particularly for- With murdered and travelled. Murdered, <laughs> travelled. And what was the other one? Like this- Wrecking. Wrecking. Okay. So, this is your classic urban legend, murder, like hitchhiker murderer kind of deal. Yeah. Is- Now, who this- do you play? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm trying to think where the kind of gameplay comes from this, because I almost had a sense of like an arcadey kind of, you're the hitchhiker and you get in a car, but you've- I don't know what the- There's some sort of- Something happens while you're in the car, and at some point you inevitably kill the people in there. The car, you know, goes off the rails or goes out of control, crashes- you have to survive that crash and then get in another car to get where you're going. <laughs> um, and so maybe it's just like the challenges of getting cross country when you have uh, uh, an urge to kill every 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and the littlest thing can set you off. It's, it's things like pe- people saying, um, you know, they're pro-life and you immediately, <laughs> you you immediately launch into a tirade. <laughs> Well, that's why I was wondering where the gameplay comes from. Like, is there some sort of balance meter effectively of sort of how unhinged you are at that moment? And and how does that change? Is it based on, yeah, like the, the dialogue that you're having with the people in the car? Is it, you know, if they suggest you play stupid car games and that's going to kick it up a notch? Are you sort of making decisions? Is this one of those things where it's just you come up with a few multiple choice decisions and depending on how you go, your stats change a bit and if it gets pushed over the homicide threshold. <laughs> and then at the end, it tells you, okay, judging by your, your answers and the people that you murdered, you're far right. Or <laughs> <laughs> It's all just a political spectrum, political compass game. I'm pretty sure if you're just murdering everyone in the car all the time, then you're already far right. 
But I, I'm kind of picturing this as like a top-down view. So almost like of- a Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> <laughs> sort of, where you've got your little character and you can be walking along and you can put, you can hitchhike, you know, you can put your thumb out, you can- Maybe you've got some sort of survival-ish mechanics where you have to scavenge, like, trash trash and stuff or, like, spend you spend what little money you have uh, in a store dry to, cleaning. to buy food or to- Yeah, well, that could be part of it. Like, to get picked up, you want to- <laughs> You want to look, look your best. Look good. You don't want to smell. You don't want to look like a murderer, even though you are. And yes, there's going to be a lot of dry cleaning, depending on your MO, I suppose. I suppose one of the best things to have in your backpack is actually one of those old washboards so that you can, like, really <laughs> rub Just those things out, like, like in the rubber. Yeah. <laughs> in the river. Yeah. Because uh, I'm kind of- uh, I guess where that's coming from is I've sort of got this image in, on, in mind of- you're sort of tracking the car. You're in a car. You've you've got a ride. It's sort of the camera's from above following that car and you're just seeing it drive along the highway or whatever. Uh, and then your meter goes over and you just see like blood splat out from the sides of the car because you've literally just killed everyone inside all at once. And mm-hmm. the car just starts veering off the road, um, leaving blood and, and, and skid marks behind it. And you have to choose the right moment to jump out before it explodes. Yep. Now, are you an actual person or are you a supernatural being? That's my next question. Hmm. Like, is this for food that you've got an insatiable hunger sort of thing? That would be less problematic <laughs> than just a serial killer. Uh, yeah. It would mean we wouldn't have to delve into the psychology around why this person is- is literally just killing random people. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Maybe you're some sort of alien creature. I- I'm just imagining the hunger meter, you know, that goes down really, really quickly. While the urge to kill meter sort of goes up. Well, it may just be then that we replace it more with the hunger meter. And if it gets too low, you will attack and kill anybody nearby. Uh, yeah. Kind of a zombie-like. Yeah, yeah. When like they, when they enter there. Too hungry. Yes. Yeah. Uh, rage out or whatever it is. No, I think they call it going full zombie or something. I don't know. I yeah, something like that. Uh, yeah, that's cool. So then, then it's a bit more of, well, maybe you literally are a zombie. <laughs> maybe you are like a zombie in the early stages where if you don't get human flesh, you do go on some sort of rampage and that could be part of it, right? Like you haven't eaten in long enough. You haven't managed to get a ride. And so now you've gone full rage zombie and you're just like <laughs> grabbing people. You, you've got no control then. You're just kind of getting in front of cars and they stop and you pull them out. And I don't know, something like, but but then you're going to get cops after you. You're going to get the army coming. You're going to get attacked. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, the goal is get across Pe- people the country. Don't, people don't question the occasional car wreck on a, um, on a highway. They do question, you know- Blood, so- blood soaked seats and, you know, the car just sitting on the side of the road, you know, <laughs> well, half eaten corpses. Yeah, they do question, you know, re- eyewitness reports of someone getting hit by a car, getting back up, pulling the people out of the car and eating them on the side of the road. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's, it's kind of about getting across the country without getting too much heat and uh, by killing people. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm seeing this as- you can maybe even have a conscience as the zombie that, you know, you enter a car 
and it's a it's a young mother and a child, and mm. you go, oh, I kind of don't want to be in this situation as as you start getting hungry. So you ask for them to pull over in the rest stop. Yep, and That's you go good, and actually. like, yeah, you're basically taking the chance then of okay, these people are really good. I don't want to kill them. My hunger meter's at about twenty seven percent, so I've got a little bit of time to find someone who's an asshole. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool. I like that dynamic actually. Uh, and then, and I, then I think if you if you're in a somewhat populated town and you can sort of see, okay, in um, you know three kilometers we're going to be coming up to a rest stop. Mm-hmm. You know, how long is it going to take for this um, for this hunger meter to get down low enough? Am I am I going to be able to control the rage and and do my little mini games to to keep yeah. Like I like that under idea. control. When you're in the last, like last ten percent, you start getting mini games that get harder and harder. Um, yeah, and and sort of like the the quick time sort of yeah. animation things, trying to hold it off, or you can purposefully fail it to just you know oh, go crazy, yeah. or you yeah, yeah, or you yeah. can just, or you hit, can a just hit the button to eat to it, set yeah. it off. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And and with you know, all the people that you sort of procedurally generate in the game, you can then, you know, store some stats as to the sort of person they were and and still bring up, you know, you. it's obvious that you don't like um, that you are very against, you know, the pro-lifers. You're very against these sort of people. And you you <laughs> right, saved again, this many yeah. babies. and <laughs> Yeah, I like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, how many people you spared by, like, or how many close calls you had, essentially, of of where you were, you know, yeah, you got out of the car when you were lower than 20% or something. Um, how many people you killed with particular views. That's fun. That'd be fun to put those stats how, in. How judgmental you actually are. <laughs> well, it could be. Like, you might be right down the center. It's like, whatever, I'll kill whoever. Yeah. That's fun. I like that. You're a monster. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking to me. I mean, I know. But- no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Three, one click. Three, two, one click. Lowest gang. Miserable miracle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a weird vibe. It's a mix between the movie Michael with John Travolta <laughs> and the movie yep. Drillbit Taylor with Owen Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that you that you were going to go with something like um, there's Michael and then then there's the Warriors. No, I'm thinking this is high school gangs. I think this is like okay. I think this is more gang as in like hey gang, and I mean and there's a bit of Archie like, and the gang sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, that kind of thing. And you so you've got your gangs at school, and you do have you know there's there are sort of these these hierarchies of popularity and intimidation and different things. And essentially, you're the lowest. You're whatever we decide the lowest is in this school. It doesn't necessarily have to be the cliched, you know, nerds are the lowest or, or whatever, but it could be. And uh, an angel joins your gang. <laughs> now, are you playing the angel or are you playing someone who's um, noticed these these weird goings on and you're trying to- Get to the bottom of of who this new kid is, this Michael who's just joined the. Joined yeah, there the group. are a few. There are a few options. We could either play someone who is in the gang initially, one of the kids. I think I feel like that makes the most sense. Um, 
I'm not sure what sort of game this is yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously, there's some narrative in there. Uh, but, yeah, it, 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 it has very much that kind of maybe 90s movie vibe and the angel's going to, like, help them become popular and be the, you know, everyone's going to want to be in their gang instead of taking their lunch money and throwing them in lockers. Okay. I kind of like that idea, but I want to throw a little wrinkle in okay. for the end. Sure. That um, when you get to the end and it's like, oh, wow, you've been an angel all along. It's like, yes, an angel. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they've they've just signed their, their name in blood or whatever. And, you know, they've actually made a deal with the devil sort of thing. Um, okay. You think that we switched given the old switcheroo? Oh, hell yeah. Either that or one of the other gangs has a demon, uh, and, and you and you do, and your gang does have an angel. I mean, I'm just trying to think, are angels actually good? I mean, they're imaginary beings, so they can be whatever we want them to be. Exactly. So, maybe this- So, is this an angel you who's know, all- defected- yeah, he's basically he's trying to trying to get you to sell your souls to to the devil. So he's actually he's a fallen angel. Maybe he's trying to get you to sell your souls to God, because like God could have some shifty ways of getting people to. <laughs> 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 uh, I just love how we always go we always go to these these you know highfalutin ideas, and it's like yeah, we're atheists. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not finding the game on this one, so I think let's click again. Okay, one more, and then we're going to do a movie. Yeah, sure. Three, two, one, click. Wrong archive. Toe. Fuss. T-O-E? T-O-E. Okay. Oh, I'm, d- I'm just- Thinking I'm you sort work of seeing- in, like, a morgue or something? No, I was actually thinking, if you're saying archive, I'm kind of liking, you know, deep in the bowels of, of like- um. You know, a library or or something mm. like that. And you you find like a shriveled up old toe. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> and and now you're trying to trying to figure out what actually happened. You know, this obviously happened many years ago, and you're trying to actually work out. Like, like I'm picturing a room that's got all those old archive document boxes. Yeah. Like whether it's evidence or it's like some sort of different case case files of some sort. Yeah. And you knock one over, and the, and a toe falls out. Yeah. yeah, none of the evidence bags are actually missing any evidence. It was just <laughs> right. free floating in there. Yeah, yeah. You look at the like the manifest or whatever, or the contents of what's supposed to be in the box, and everything's there. And you're looking, no you're looking for the for the line one shriveled up toe, <laughs> or at least the word toe, and you don't see the word don't toe. Don't see anywhere. it there. Don't see and, it. And, you and your character physically missing, says, "You do see there's a missing shriveled penis, but that doesn't seem related." <laughs> <laughs> but no, then you find that in another box later on. <laughs> Most of the boxes have penises in them. <laughs> That's just that sort of library. No, um, go on. So, so oh. you're an archivist. You're you're going through trying to trying to work out the, um, or at least you know go through these old cold cases and and try to sort them into which ones have been solved in the end and which ones you know. Yeah, well, need to be brought forward, and well, I wonder if this is some sort of like paranormal thing where you're in the archives of this university, and yeah, you're you're basically 
you're doing grunt work. You're you are an archive. You you you're, you're an intern for the archivist or something like. You're you're going through and you're just having to file boxes and stuff. But you knock this off and you find that this whole shelf is like the discarded cases from the paranormal um, division of the division university. of the university that is that was long since disbanded. Okay, are you? And I'm just saying this because I'm picturing this happens all over the place. Uh-huh. Are you digitizing the records? Sure. So your whole thing is that you're opening up the box in VR. I'm picturing, and you're picking up these things, putting it on the scanner and digitizing because mundane work is fun in VR. Okay. I like that idea, especially because with the paranormal sort of stuff, obviously very quickly some weird shit starts to happen and you start yeah. seeing things. And as you basically reopen these cases, it's not just reopening the cases. It's like reawakening some of the things that they relate to. And you can have sort of a thread going I'm picturing the, the fun that you can have with, like, people whispering behind you and stuff like that. Like- Oh, yeah. Really up close. And you turn around, there's nothing there. And you turn back and there's still nothing there. When you turn back for the fifth time, not the third. <laughs> that's where you Screw see a mouse. <laughs> Too predictable. <laughs> Keep them on their toes. It's, it's a random prime number. <laughs> <laughs> I turned around for the thirteenth time, and uh, <laughs> uh, no, that's cool. You could do some really fun horror stuff with that. Let's let's dig in a little bit more to to some of the narrative stuff because sometimes we'll tend we tend to just sort of leave it there when yep. it's like, yeah, there's the idea, and we're not going to go any further. So, uh, some of the inspiration for this is from a podcast I've been listening to recently called The Black Tapes, mm-hmm. which is a really fun horror audio drama thing done as like a documentary style um, podcast. Yep. So I'm feeling that maybe there's some specific demon that was sort of accidentally summoned by this division early on. Uh, without, almost now, without is, is this a pagan demon or is it a, is it a unknown demonic thing non-religious or is it let's stick away let's go let's move away from the religious stuff i think it's just some sort of lovecraftian horror yeah maybe lovecraftian or just yeah non-specific kind of other dimensional evil being, being. uh yeah lovecrafting in, in the sense of they wouldn't have noticed, otherworldly yeah they wouldn't have noticed this plane of existence if this Paranormal division hadn't essentially gone out and poked them with something <laughs> and been messing with it, a la yeah. Fringe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, God, I want to watch Fringe again. I need to need to find out where that's streaming <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> Fringe is awesome. Uh, um, so, yeah, I think you, you you essentially take it case by case. You're you're pulling the things out of the box. You're looking at them. Uh, is there so? Is there like other research? Then do you think you're doing? Is this kind of one of those, uh, you know, you can move over to the computer and, like, Google search something or whatever. Yeah, I, th- I think unlike a lot of VR games where it's, um, you know, free moving around and all that sort of stuff, I, I do like the idea of there being specific, like, areas that, you- that you're moving over to with teleporting. Yeah. Um, like, with a little bit of room scale that you can sort of walk around a little bit in your area, but you can then teleport to a... A yeah. new predetermined kind of like how the like the Rick and Morty game did that, where yeah. they there was sort of a bunch of little 
room scale size squares that you could sort of yeah move about in, which is good. So yeah, I like that. You've got like your research computer. You've got your you know works workspace where you're opening the boxes and stuff. Uh, you know, you've maybe got the shelf where the other boxes are. You've got like the um, boarded up like paranormal lab that you can eventually get to once you work out what wing of the facility it's in. And well, I like the idea that it's right there the whole time. And it's not until you get to like case number four. Oh, you, you move the you move the shelf slightly to the side, and there's the door to it. <laughs> like, you, yeah, it's, it's been it accessible almost the entire time. Yeah, totally. You don't get to go in there. I think you just look through the window. <laughs> oh, <it's laughs> no, maybe you go in. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, I think I like that idea of opening up an area or two as you solve things, like as you progress through the story. Essentially, yeah, that's cool. Uh, and I want I want the players to be like fucking freaked out to go in there. I want them to be expecting like a massacre, like the the aftermath of a demonic massacre in there uh, and be really hesitant to go in. And then it's not, it's clean for now. There's just something about like an old like rotary telephone that that starts ringing and, and all this sort of stuff and just having that real sort of, you know, tactile ring. Yeah. You know, there's something about actually having a, you having a bell in there that you can bell. hear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because <laughs> you can tell the difference between a bell and a- um, Oh, and, and a like ringtone, yeah. Digital ringtone. For sure. Sort of thing. Uh, there's something about- um, feel the concussive movement of that the bell ringing, you know. And, and then when you got ri- when you got to ring upstairs to the professor who got you doing this, you know, having to actually- Dialer's <laughs> extension directly with the um, with the rotary phone with the with the rotary phone. Yeah, that'd be fun. There's just uh, something about the the pulses that come back. You know, the zit. There's a nice haptics going. I like the idea, though. I think it is modern time still. Oh yeah, and perhaps like it's one of these things where your mobile phone just doesn't work down here, or at least it it stops working. Fairly quickly, you know, uh, our favourite thing, which is to not have <laughs> not have reception on your on your phone after a while, or oh, of course, you know I mean, the battery's a, running down. It's such or- a classic trope of both movies and you know, like anything that needs a narrative where they can't just call for help, right? Uh, and so, yeah, then they're relying on the old rotary phone, and you have to like. I think this is one of these things where like you start learning extensions to other places in the building. Uh, that you can call. Yeah. Uh, oh, <laughs> I like the idea that actually early on, before you've found out much about it, you just find the extension for the paranormal division and like talk to someone there. And then the next thing you find out is that the paranormal division has been shut down for 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> There's just something wrong about that. <laughs> uh, and then you call it back and it's just like a deadline. Or, or no, they still pick up, but no, but like there's just breathing or something on the other end. <laughs> but you have the the person that you're talking to is like the professor, and he's got that old prospective voice of why that person died. You know, this, <laughs> yeah. this department hasn't been around for nigh on twenty five years. <laughs> <laughs> you just you, they talk like that the whole time, just for that, just so they can do that line. <laughs> You don't explain why they've got such an odd accent. That's really funny. Professor uh, Summersby is was one of the weirdest professors, but I love working with him. 
That's how the game starts. Sometimes dad is better. <laughs> That's the- Isn't that a line from Pet Cemetery? <laughs> <laughs> this guy just speaks in fucking Stephen King movie trope line. Like, don't go up to the old cabin. What are you, I'm going down to the archives for. So, what are you talking about? You sent me down here. You sent me down here. Somebody died. Oh, down well, there. don't go down to the old archive rooms. <laughs> the call's coming from inside the house. Wait, no, I called you, and I know we're in the same place. Like yeah, I'm in the movies. archive room. Oh, the archive room. You shouldn't go to the archive room. That place has been dead for 25 years. <laughs> All right, three, two, one, click. Oh, no, we're doing a movie, eh? We're doing a movie. So, All do right. you want to explain for those people who didn't listen to episode 200? How could you, D? Uh, yes. So, what we're going to do is we've got a nice little random movie bot that Trevor's made here. It's going to pull a movie at random- as you would imagine, uh, it's going to give us a poster, the title, a little synopsis and the date of release. And we're either going to make a movie tie in a, a game that ties into that movie as if it was sort of released around that time. Uh, or if it doesn't really lend itself to it, we might just take the title of the movie and come up with a brand new game design using that as a problem. Yeah, this is just a new version on on our old segment, Unnecessary Movie Tie-Ins. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, it's still unnecessary, but it's fun. <laughs> I mean, it was always fun, but now we've got a fancy little bot that does it for us. So exactly, three, two, one, enter. All right, but oh, we both do it, don't we? Yes. Okay. I have two thousands autumn in New York. I have nineteen ninety nines Candyman Day of Ooh. the Dead. Okay, that one sounds more interesting. For a yes. movie, although we did just do a horror thing. Mm-hmm. So, I'm wanting to take it as this is kind of like a candy man in the way of Willy Wonka. Okay. And not, and not, and not, and not a demonic n- being who you say his name three times into a mirror and it comes, he comes out. I'm thinking this is a candy man set in um, Mexico on a Day of the Dead festival. Okay. Okay. I don't know- much about the culture there. I do know that I think, well, I believe there is like candy involved in that. Don't they have like candied skulls and stuff? Isn't that like a part of it? I don't know. It could be. I know, but I, I, I know we, we don't have to go with that. We can, we can go with something around just the idea of Candyman and, you know, some sort of, some sort of festival or just something that isn't necessarily Willy Wonka or yeah. horror. Or just a whimsical candy-based game where you play a, a, a chocolatier or a candy maker. Candy wizard, yep. Oh, a candy wizard. Like a literal candy wizard with like a, a staff made of a- A licorice wand? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, kids. I'm the candy wizard. Oh, what the fuck are you? <laughs> oh, my clothes are made of candy. I am very sticky. <laughs> the snozzberries taste like snozzberries. <laughs> Don't touch my snozzberries. <laughs> They're my private snozzberries. Uh, I don't know what the game is. <laughs> Just casting candy spells. Uh, is this a Hogwarts-esque... 
going to fucking candy wizard school. <laughs> um, I'm sort of seeing this as yet again VR. This, this, <laughs> I, I've, I've always got in my head like a combination between like a zombie shooter and just this, this kind old candy wizard who's trying to, trying to get along in life and, you know, trying to be all nice, but then he gets caught up in like some sort of, some sort of crazy situation that he's got to, like, maybe some of the candy that he's been creating has come to life. Is this a situation where, because I kind of like what you said there about this candy wizard. He He's spent his whole life studying fucking sucromancy. The sugar arts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so that he can bring joy to children, but he gets caught up in sort of the rest of the wizarding, like, the stuff that's- just a lot darker and it's just this sort of fish out of water situation where he's somehow called upon to like destroy a dark wizard or a like dark wizard yep. or something. And, but he, oh, because, because, got- because there's a dark necromancer who's, who's like gone crazy and, and started, you know, turning all the, all the townspeople into, into zombies and all this sort of stuff. And he's, he's got to go with his sugar, sugary treats and, you know, all sugar, sugar spells. Yeah. To um basically un-necromance them. Hence why it's Day of the Dead. <laughs> a Candymancer versus a Necromancer. Candyman versus Necromancer. Uh, uh, I like that. That's no, a Candymancer. So, uh, <laughs> oh, fuck. There you go. Candymancer. Yes. <laughs> Never the episode. The Candymancer can. <laughs> um, okay. So, what, what does- what does the- Candymancer, he's got obviously control over candy. Oh, so he brings he, pinatas to life. He he brings like yeah. I'm trying to think what his like armies of gummy how he bears could actually have effective spells. So yeah, is is it that he's having to <laughs> to 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 twist what would usually be these joyful spells into violent things? So <laughs> he's managed like he creates a pinata that like explodes and just candy shrapnel comes out everywhere in all directions. Yeah, rock uh, candy. Yeah, the yeah fucking well, it's like it's like pop rocks and and soda <laughs> inside a pinata. Um, <laughs> As the gas builds up and just explodes out. And- yeah, it just explodes out. So, that's effectively like landmine or your grenade thing. Yeah, I think you can call an army of fucking gingerbread men and gummy bears that sort of swarm someone and pull them down. Uh, you can like wrap people up in or like cover them in, I don't know, fucking licorice whips or well, something. You can, you can cover them in like literally melted sugar. I mean, that stuff burns. <laughs> And just dip them in chocolate. Okay, he's definitely got a licorice wand. We know that. Licorice wand. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. So, what's, what sort of world is he going around in? Like a dark and dreary, dreary world. And everything that he does has got, like, these bright colours so that you can- I think you've got this intro where he's almost sing like maybe it's even musical or something, but he's like in his house and it's all full of bright colours and this he's this super whimsical- wizard creating, you know, decorations out of sugary candy in his house. And then he, it's like, he gets a knock on the door and outside it's just like gray and raining and dreary. And there's this wizard there in just this drab cloak. Uh, and that kind of kicks off. It's like, you're the, you're the only one. Like there was a, there was a huge, 
explosion. Uh, like, well, the dead attacked the the wizard parliament, and it's like a, um, it's a fucking uh, designated survivor. It's like he's the <laughs> you're the most powerful wizard that we've got. Like you're <laughs> every more powerful wizard than you. And like, I think but- he is quite powerful. It's just that he's powerful in fucking Candy Nancy, and it's yeah. Not that useful most of the time. <laughs> so th- There's just something about, like, being able to, like, do little wand waving in, in VR to, to basically get it to, you it know, just fire out a- creates um, a muffin. <laughs> or a cupcake. <laughs> you know, you do a figure eight and then and then a flick and you and you create, like, I know, a pinata. A boiled or- sweet. <laughs> a Werther's. A cross-across flick is molten sugar or something like that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think you, you can, like, assign different- No, you can assign, like, different uh, attacks to your different gestures. <clears throat> okay, so you can't turn people in, into sugar. You can only command sugar. Mm. So, it's all about, like, as you're going along, you know, you've got to sort of keep your resources up. So, you're going into people's houses and, and finding, like, packets of sugar and, and that sort of stuff. <laughs> you just you know, have you- to wolf down sugar or, like, absorb it into your body or something. Either absorb it into your body or keep it in like a fanny pack sort of thing because you know you, you're basically oh, picking actually, up your I sugar. Like that. I like it in the like the way that um, in like Avatar, like the Last Airbender, the waterbenders would have like just a, a flask on their belt, a flask of water. Yep, that they could just so like, he- pull out and 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 fling and 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 put it back away. So yeah, he's just got like a bag of sugar. Yeah, and I just like the the idea that, that as you're going through the town and stuff like that, you've got to. You got to keep an eye out for sugar supplies, and you see a so bakery. Is this oh, cool! Like, I can- is this gameplay like The Last of Us? But <laughs> where you're going around like picking up supplies and sneaking around, and it's like, oh, there's one of the fucking dead that's been raised. All right, create a sugar spear and super dark. <laughs> but bright colors all over the place oh, everything he oh. creates is like you create this sugar spear and it's like a fucking lollipop you know twisted colors all the way through <laughs> <laughs> just suffocates them in like fairy floss oh yeah it's it's all about you know the the different sort of sugar sweets that you can sort of put together um the tiny the tiny gummy bears that you can sort of th- throw out then you can grow to a big size and they're they're sort of like your um you know, your area of attack spells. Oh, God, I'd love a good animation of, yeah, you throw out a handful of gummies. Um, they turn into one big gummy to attack and the, the bad guy, like, slices them into pieces, but then they're just smaller gummies and they're still attacking. Yeah. Yeah. There's just something about, like, how bright and how colourful you could make all these spells, but really it's gruesome stuff that's actually <laughs> yeah, going on. I want full on. <laughs> I want full on- Last of Us style death scenes of people like choking on pink, bright pink fairy floss, like that's that's <laughs> that's forcing itself down their throats, and you just see the panic in their face. Yeah, killer pythons and all these sort of things. <laughs> <laughs> Jelly babies. <laughs> They're crawling up, mama, mama. <laughs> they just stick on. Oh my god, that's horrifying. It is. Okay, right. what do you want to do next? Three to one movie. I have uh the classic I haven't seen it, but the uh, Peter Jackson Bad Taste from nineteen eighty seven. 
Very nice. Okay, I have from 2004, Sideways. Oh, the wine movie. Yes. Okay. Maybe we can mix these together into like a wine-based bad, like that with where there's things that taste bad. I don't know the story of bad taste, so. I have seen it. I'm pretty sure I still own it, but um, from the from the synopsis, it looks like uh, aliens wipe out a town in New Zealand, and mm-hmm. there's a hero who rescues people and attacks and gets. I don't know. Yeah, it's an alien invasion movie, essentially. Basically, yeah, they're coming down to harvest humans for their intergalactic fast food franchise. Of course, yeah. Uh, so that, that's actually you know kind of a I cool mean, that'd idea be good as well for a game, yeah. Um, and sideways is two men, two middle-aged men embark on a spiritual journey through California in one country. One is an unpublished novelist suffering from depression, and the other is only days away from walking down the aisle. Yeah, I like perfect. the idea of bad taste. Perfect. No, <laughs> come on, sideways the sideways the game. What are you talking about? The wine tasting game. You, you get to be. You get a free bottle you of get wine to be, with every purchase. Uh, what's his name? Hayden Church, as he like screws around on his wife and gets kicked out of the house naked. No. Uh, bad okay. taste. Bad it taste. Is. Bad taste. So, are we doing the actual movie? Story, like, yeah. general, so, general synopsis idea from what we recall? Or you recall? Yeah. I'm liking the idea of um, taking the basic idea of an alien invasion and it's a co-op shooter. Okay. Because um, one of the things that it said in the synopsis I read was it's four people uh, Ooh, okay. are going up against these aliens. So, I'm liking so the idea of- style. Yeah, it's kind of a Left 4 Dead style or even a, you know, a um, Deep Rock Galactic mm-hmm. style that you go, basically you and this um, team go into the town uh, that has been overrun by these aliens, you know, yep. and now you've got to try and clean up the aliens as you go through. You know, they're obviously trying to take you out and um, you got people along the way that you can save and, and get to safety and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Like they've barricaded themselves in different parts of the town and effectively you're going in exterminating all these aliens wherever possible all right so how do we make this more interesting than just team-based alien shooter uh i think the fact that they're coming here to eat us is an interesting narrative thing i don't know if we can find some gameplay in that um can we do something with the different people you can be like are there different classes uh yeah i I do i do like the idea of different different classes not necessarily the the typical classes of you know you've got a sniper you've got a you've got an assault no, no, guy no. i think this is more about uh regular people in this town yeah um i think you've definitely got a melee sort of ca- character you've got sort of like your, your typical gun nut um sort of character who's got all the different high high you know uh pretty awesome weaponry and all this sort of stuff but it's all military grade stuff. And then you've got the scientist who's just cooking up like, um, you know, diff- different uh, grenades. And I don't that think you've got a scientist. I think you've got like a high school science nerd. Okay. Yep. Like a teenager. Uh, and then I, I'd like to, I'd be interested in making this rather than Left 4 Dead or, I mean, Deep Rock Galactic, which we bring up just because we've been playing a ton of. Uh, the shooting in that is still very much like wave shooter. Like here comes a ton of things. Just do your best to hold them back. It'd be, I'd I'd find this interesting if there was a bit more tactical stuff in there in that, like Mm -hmm. you've got a bit of stealth, you've got to maybe distract, you can like distract them. Like the scientist or the science nerd, she can like create a a explosive that is, is intended just to make noise. Right. Uh, and so you can get their attention over there, and then yeah, the gun can come up behind them and like take them out, um, or the melee, you know. And, and again, it depends yep. on the classes. The classes you're playing, um, 
you can have them have skills which complement each other in different ways. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sort of also seeing that uh, kind of like Deep Rock Galactic where you've got the different types of missions. The mm-hmm. um, the different types of missions are you've got sort of like your, your typical one is your rescue mission that you're basically going into a town, rescuing as many people as you can, and you've got a time limit and they're basically- Well, I no, feel like this, time- instead of going into a town, I feel like this whole game is set in like the town. Like they've taken over a town- and it can be a fair. Oh, I just like town. I like the procedural element of, yeah, of yeah, but bringing into more, new towns. I think it's more the procedural elements there, but it's more you're going into a building or like a complex or a, a section rather than the entire town, right? I think it's more. I'm picturing a bit more slower pace, so you don't need an entire town for a level to move around in. It's more, but depending on the levels, like you could have some of those smaller, um, more intimate sort of things where. You, you, um, you know, you're trying to save one particular person. And if that person dies, then the mission's over sort of thing. Yeah. So, therefore, you can't be reckless. But then there's another mission in which you've got to make it to their um, ship um, undetected so that you can steal some of their technology. And Right. Yeah, but I think and that so can all you be can- in the town. I think that can all be- Because just more from a narrative point of view, I like the idea of, oh, these aliens have come to our town and we're like- People from this town who are who are who have formed this little team of guerrilla warriors to like fight back, uh, and so yeah, I think you can still have it that it's a section of the town or whatever, and it can still be procedurally generated. Um, but yeah, I like that. Uh, different types of missions. Some might literally just be clear this area, like just an elimination mission, uh, because you're you know you could even have it that you're taking over. Uh, territory of different yep. parts of the town as you play through, uh, and, and that gives you you know additional resources and and the ability to you know start with more powerful weapons or uh, different. And tools then you got um, cage levels in which you go in and basically they've got all the humans in cages and you've got to basically get a, get them to start a revolt sort of thing. I, you know you yeah you unlock all the cages and and start basically. Oh, that could be cool. You've, you Pandemonium. Just this big, yeah, this big chaotic level of, of aliens attacking humans and humans attacking aliens all around you. That'd be fun. Yeah. Uh, you said cage level, though, and I thought, oh, have they got you in a cage and they're just sending aliens after you where it is more like a traditional wave-based thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe maybe it's something like that if you get captured. Like, you could even have, oh, you failed that mission, then they've captured you and your next mission is, you know, this- Escape mission, essentially, uh, or, or some sort of survival mission um, that, yeah, essentially changes based. You know, you'll have less resources to start with, and but you know, maybe in some cases you'll benefit from going through an escape mission because there's some stuff you can only get in those missions because you're essentially behind enemy lines or something. Uh, yep, that could be. I'm, really I'm cool. picturing in the in the opening movie, basically th- this new restaurant has come to town, sort of thing, and these these. Um, you know, almost city slicker like aliens come in and they're and be, you know, smooth talking and trying to get people in here. But it's it's all about they sell this fa- this fast food to fatten people up to then like right. be able to bring the bring them to the to the actual restaurant on on their transports and cook them up for That's cool. For dinner. That's cool. Uh, I like that because then you can have stuff around the town. You can have like well, you could even have missions where it's like destroy that, fran- you know, that particular franchise of of the fast food joint. Um, yeah, that's really cool. You could have some some fun motifs there 
around how, like, even just around decorations and color schemes and stuff, because it can be this real sort of corporate, you know, fast foodish style friendly thing with that sinister edge, huge, colorful advertisements as you as you're walking down an alley, sort of thing, and you yeah. know. Seeing, you know, um, graffiti written all over it and all this sort of stuff. People warning, warning others of, of the dangers of this totally. fast food, but it's, it was too late sort of thing. Yeah. That's, that's cool. I like that a lot. So I think we only came up with three characters. So we've got sort of a melee character. Is, are they like, uh, I'm trying to picture what you, what you might get. Okay. It's not just they're, a standard they're... like jock type. Oh, I'm picturing that she's kind of unhinged because her child has been like, is missing. Oh, okay. That's cool. She's just a parent. Yeah. Just a parent. And so she's got basically like, um, you know, kind of a trope, but the, the kitchen knife at first. And then, you know, she builds into other, other weapons as she goes. And yeah, you know, she's, Frying she's pans, pretty much vacuum cleaners. When, when, <laughs> no, yeah. But when, when you, when you bring, when you, you know, level her up big time, then, you know, she's using bloody spike bats and. Spike bats, katanas, anything she can get a hand on. Like, <laughs> I'm picturing that she can pretty much pick up anything in the environment and it becomes a weapon. Yeah, well, I think, and to avoid just the, like, oh, she's a mum. Like, she is a parent, but I think she was already a badass. Like, she trains. She's like a fucking stunt coordinator or something. Or she's like a- Yeah. You know, there's a reason she, she can handle this stuff. But, yes, I like that idea that- there's a bit of storyline there and a reason, a reason behind it. Oh, I think everyone's got their, got their reasons. For sure. To for why sure. they're, why they're there. I do uh, think the fourth you've got character the gun- though. Yeah. We haven't, we like haven't a had nurse. a support character yet. Yeah. I think it needs to be, I mean, the, the science nerd could be a support character of sorts or a mix anyway, but yeah, I think more of mm-hmm. a pure support character, um, whether they're like, the school nurse or uh, the local doctor or the vet, like a veterinarian. A vet would be cool. That's like the classic kind of having to make do with what you've got for medical stuff. But yeah. Yeah. But you can sort of see also with with this why I want to go, you know, the more procedural town rather than just oh, I- the one town. <laughs> no, no. But that's the thing. Like. I think from a narrative you point of view- You don't have to view, explain it. <laughs> yeah. From narrative point of view, it's one town. It's just you don't- It doesn't have to be a town where, like, you can map it out. It's just you get to a level and that's a different part of the town. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. It can be a big town. It can be a city or, like, a well, maybe not a city, but, yeah, it can be a large town. There's just something about, like, going through suburbia and you've got, you know, the corner shop and- then you've got just just across the road oh, from yeah. that, you've got like the far, the takeaway joint. Well, I like is- the idea of mixing in sort of a bit of um, battle royale-ish stuff where you you do have a lot of scavenging that you can do. Where sort of the start of a level, there is that period of oh shit, we got to find stuff uh, to work with. You've come in with a with a level of stuff, but yeah, if you want to find some better stuff, you can actually look around and you yeah. can if you make it out of this mission. That becomes part of your permanent armaments now, basically. Yeah, I think you'd have to- You might have to balance that in some ways, like stuff that you find maybe degrades- Like has a certain, you know, limit that you can pay to fix or whatever. But yes, you- As you go, you level up to a degree where it's like, okay, well, now you've got to- You always come in with a fully, you know, full, fully healthy level three weapon that's appropriate to your- character or whatever. 
Uh, there's just so many different ways that you could take this, but I- I'm liking like the extraction mesh- missions, and then you've got um, almost the infiltration mis- missions in which you're you're trying to put a decoy into their you know plans. Yeah, I wonder so- if you have- yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering how dark you could take it in, in the fact that, you know, you, you've actually, um, selected this one person for, um, for sacrifice, but you've oh injected God. them with these, um, hormones that are going to make them explode sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, that could be interesting because then, then the people you save are almost a resource as well that you can like choose to <laughs> just to be completely callous about it, but to where you can, you can potentially. You know, bring someone over your cause to the point that, yes, they will take on a risky, potentially suicide mission. Uh, but that gives you a different mission type that you can only do if you, you know, get it up to that point or something. Oh, that's crazy. That's cool. I love that. That's awesome. Okay. Right. Do we want to do one last thing and we'll do a second chance click pitch? I think let's do that. So, episode two, way back when, we did our very first adventure game design done quick. Yes. Which we haven't done many of. I quite enjoy them. I feel like Trevor doesn't enjoy them as much as I do. <laughs> they can be challenging. Uh, they can be very challenging. Essentially, but we, we're not going to do that this time. We're not going to do that today. <laughs> uh, but just to give some back, just to give the, the, the background, we essentially stick with one game idea for the entire hour and try to write as much of an adventure game, uh, including sort of the full narrative and puzzles as we can in that time. So the very second episode we did was. Uh, was that, and it was a game that came from the prompt Blind Reflection. Yes. So today, we're just going to take that prompt, give it a second chance, see what we come mm-hmm. up with uh, from Blind Reflection. Yeah. Um, so, there's something about, like, being blinded and having Ooh. to use reflections. I'm sort of seeing this as almost like a Medusa sort of thing, that if you if you catch a gaze in, in the- Well, I'm just- I'm also thinking about, like- Bouncing sunlight off of a reflective surface to blind someone, mm-hmm. right? Getting the angle right—that could be a—that could be a fun VR mechanic of <laughs> angling something to to get a a beam in the right place. Is this a VR rear window esque game? Mm-hmm. But I think maybe you play like FBI agents or something where you're surveilling. Okay. Uh, you look like you've got another idea that's waiting oh, to pop I, I, out. I keep on going through so many different ideas right okay, now. Sorry. Right. Well, I'll keep going with this one. If you if you come up with anything better or, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, because I'm picturing- Well, for one, like, you could use that reflection technique as a code thing. Sending messages. Uh, or, or, or someone's trying to send you messages. Like, if you're surveilling, like, a cult facility or something, right? It's like, okay, we know that- that these people have taken over this whole city block and they've got this huge facility and they say that they're like a health wellness company, but people come in and never come out and they seem brainwashed or whatever. So, like, we're trying to unravel the, what's going on behind this cult. And so, you've mm-hmm. got- you're, you're, in a bu- you're in a building across the street and you're finding all this out through, like- Looking through windows through your binoculars, taking, you know, going through your, you've got your video going all the time. You're identifying people coming in and out. Uh, but at some point, someone in there tries to make contact and maybe that's where like the reflection comes in. You start seeing these like regular flashes coming from one of the windows and you have to start decoding Morse code or something. Okay. 
Yep. I can see that working also in the in the opposite way, in that you're inside the um the cult like headquarters and you're having to try and find the opportune moments to signal to your mm-hmm. to your team that you've got information that you need to you need to be able to give them. So you're you're sort of oh, that you're sneaking throughout. Okay, I could see that going both. Like you could combine that where you start. You start just surveilling them, but once you've <laughs> so, got so enough in other words, you're going a heavy rain in which you play two characters. You play well, someone on the inside and someone on the outside. <laughs> well, or or you just you play one character, but they start off surveilling, and then once you've got enough information, it's like okay, I think we've got enough. Like we're going to send you in undercover, uh, and that's when. Or we haven't we haven't seen that that guy. Um, for quite a while, like there's no there's no signals coming from inside. You need to get in there and find out what happened to him. Yeah, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, that could be good. Uh, and so then you've got this real creepy kind of culty thing that you're having to deal with and not give yourself away using information that you've gained through your surveillance. Like I, I like the idea that you you don't go in there until you know you've you've done quite a few missions where it's like okay you know who like the top lieutenants are you know who the the people running this place are you haven't seen the leader but you know because they're so uh secretive but you you know you, so so based on that you'll have to like respond to things in the correct way or answer questions or know the procedures uh, based on what you've, yeah, you, what you've studied, essentially. Um, there's just something about, like, the higher up in, in this cult that you go. Like, um, all, all the people really, really high in this thing actually have, like, blindfolds on sort of thing. And they're, they're almost, you know, they've been blinded, but they can, they can move around. That's cool. You know, quite well. So, you get that blind idea in there as well, but it's yeah. also- kind of otherworldly if it, when you see people just walking around just with blindfolds and they're not running into anything or maybe this that maybe this is the name of this cult and the organization is blind reflection yeah. like that's actually got quite a ring to it for like yeah look within yourself and blah 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 and yeah as you go higher up you they they essentially blindfold you oh god and then you meet like the real higher ups and they're not wearing blindfolds They've just had like their <laughs> eyes burned out <laughs> with the sun, <laughs> like, yeah, the, like they, yeah. and they they strap you in the chair and, and they, they bring down like this huge mirror and they just reflect <laughs> the sun into your eyes. Ah, oh, there'd be some cool motifs that you could yeah that you could bring in there of reflecting sunlight and blinding uh, and 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 whatever this whatever it is that this cult believes. Yeah, they they essentially worship. The sun or something and, and believe that, that blinding yourself to the outside will give you inner peace or whatever. Uh, and, and also open your inner eye and, and give you, you know, knowledge that you previously thought impossible. Yeah. But of course, it's all completely fucked up. And like the leader hasn't even, like the leader is, is just, they haven't blinded themselves. Like they don't actually believe any of this shit. They're just, like pure manipulation. Uh, no, I I, th- I think it's kind of scary if they do believe this stuff. Like- I think the higher ups believe it. I just don't. I think that like the literal person who started this, like with almost every cult, is just a fucking manipulative prick. Who- okay. the The one thing about this is then the character that that was 
doing the um doing the reflection and all that sort of stuff, you find out that he was like the janitor sort of thing. It turns okay. out that the this character was the was, was the, the initiator leader. of yeah of of the cult. So you know you when you finally find him and you know you're sort of helping him out and you know he's sort of like he was scared for his life and all this sort of yeah. stuff. He's actually pulling all the strings behind behind the scenes. That's good. I like that. Yeah. And no one else realizes because oh, because the lower people aren't like high no enough. one ever looks at the janitor. <laughs> well, no, but I'm saying the lower people aren't high enough to have ever met like their glorious leader or whatever. And all the people higher than that are fucking blinded. <laughs> they don't know what he looks like. <laughs> <laughs> There's just something about like cults are scary, man. Oh like- god, I know. Well, the reason I even came up with that is because I was listening to a podcast about Nexium, which is a a cult. Um, that's sort of just recently been taken down, uh, that, that has, has and had its hooks in a lot of acting circles. And it's the one where, uh, I don't know if you heard about it, but Alison Mack, Alison Mack from Smallville. Yeah. She's like got charged with fucking sex trafficking or whatever. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. That's scary shit. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, that's cool. I feel like that could be. Given given where we went with the original blind reflection to where this blind refle- reflection is, this is they're why both yeah. they're both kind of cool. Yeah, and that's why I'm actually liking this, this I, second chance. I click like pitch. this second chance click pitch. I, it shows that we can just take it in a very different direction and come up with something fun. Um, yeah, there's some, there's some words coming up that I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what we can come up with. All <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Um, Okay, so Ben and I have decided we are going to do one more because we've got a little bit of, little bit of extra time. Yep. Um, but we didn't want to go to episode three yet. So, what we're going to do is we're going to go- We almost forgot that in between episodes one and two, we had episode 1.5. So, we're going to take one of the words from 1.5, which is Click Pitch Classic from our previous podcast- Yep, so this is actually the- Two sweary dads. The this is the absolute beginning very of- first. Bitstorm and of Click Pitch. Uh, it wasn't even called Click Pitch at this stage. It was no, just a random word game generation word game, thing, game so. that we were playing in the second episode ever of our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Veering away from what was supposed to be a parenting podcast immediately. In the second episode, yes. <clears throat> So, yes, we're going to take- we're going to give one of these click pitches a second chance, and I think we are going to go with childhood presence. Okay. So, this childhood is presence- Childhood and the, presence. The C-E, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just so we don't do it again, I believe the original was something around a ghost and a child yeah. who sort of had a, a relationship. Uh, so, childhood There's- presence- there's something about um, having watched uh, The Haunting of Hill House mm-hmm. and um, spoiler, 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 um, the youngest uh, child in that turns out that she was haunting herself through time. That's so, when right, she died that. Jesus, later yeah. on and she came back through time and was haunting herself. I like that idea of taking that idea of this childhood who's been haunted throughout- like all oh. these different things, and then when you later on get to it, you find out that it's actually well, okay. Things from the future. Maybe. I like that, but instead of it being another ghostly haunting horror thing, 
I'm thinking this is sci-fi. Yeah, this well, is actual, actual time echo travel. through time. That's what I was going to go. Like, almost something like the time traveler's wife. Have you- Do you know that's no. your book? Uh, so, in that one, it's it's essentially- the, There's a man who uh, involuntarily travels through time at different points and meets his wife when she's a child, essentially- like, she's known him her whole life, but it's not until, like, she meets him then later on that he meets her for the first time because it's only after that point that he's ever travelled back there because he travels back yep. to, like, important people and moments and stuff. Uh, anyway, it's quite a good story. Uh, the book's better than the movie. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I kind of like that idea that, yeah, this this child has had these moments where there's this this presence or this person who visits them- at strange Maybe even times. helps them get through, through like difficult times in their childhood, sort of thing. But yeah. it's actually and tells them things and stuff. And and then yes, as it goes on, there is a bit of a twist that's like, oh, this is you literally coming back and helping your younger self. Uh, yeah. So maybe this is one of those stories where you're sort of jumping in and out of this person's life. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. And doing these sort of little, little scenes, little vignettes. Uh, I wonder if you're sort of starting very early on and you're, <laughs> are you like a baby in a pram or something and they like catch you from getting from, you know, oh, hit by a car or something. I'm thinking it's, it's like an old, um, whether it be Victorian mansion or something like that, that, you know, kind of feels a bit like there'd be ghost, ghostly mm-hmm. things happening. And the pram is, like, at the top of the stairs. You know, yeah. the, the parents have just said, yep, uh, we're going to go out. Oh, I forgot to get this. And she goes back and the, the pram starts to move forward. Well, I kind of like and the then- idea that to give to give the player some some something to do, you as the baby, like, you can grab things. There's just a few things you can, like, grab or start to wiggle or whatever. But as you do that, the pram, like, starts slowly shifting. Um, yeah. Actually, I feel like that would be really- Interesting as a player to just realize, oh shit, this pram's moving and I'm a, I'm a fucking baby. Like I can't do anything about it. And then, yeah, all of a sudden this strange person comes and grabs it. Well, it's, it's like a, it's like a, a ghostly like hand that just grabs and, you know, it's almost like a jump scare sort of thing of, you know. Right. Are you thinking grabs and pulls back and then, you know, that's where, that's when the title sort of comes up. So, because like, you said ghostly, are you thinking that as they travel, they're not fully corporeal or something? Like- yeah, yeah. Okay. This, I'm, I'm definitely liking the idea of it not being fully corporeal. So, is it a bit more of like a, almost like an astral projection through time uh, that, yeah. that they're doing? Is this something they have control over? Then I'm thinking that this is like early technology, so they can't. They're not at this stage. Like, they haven't quite got the technology right. And, okay. Um, so, it's explained throughout when when you get up to that part where, where you're sort of finishing off the game where, you know, you're, you're well, going through for I the first time. Then, I wonder then if, sort of like the time traveler's wife, if in that first scene, then they are fully corporeal and they do just grab it because- that's they've actually come back from a later time when the tech is a bit better. Yeah. But then yeah, like later on you start seeing them appear in a much more ghostly manner. 
Uh, but you find out that- In mirrors and all this almost, sort of stuff. Yeah, you can almost tell, like, where in the future they're coming from based on how solid they are or how much they're able to affect things or something. Uh, that could be kind of neat. So, I kind of like the idea that it's actually your father's tech. So, okay. in the basement, he's yep. building this tech because, yep. um, like, he and your mum are, are, like, scientists- Trying to work out this stuff. Yeah. Quantum and physicists sort of, or something. Yeah. P- put, putting the trope on its head, you know, the father tries it himself and ends up, you know, lost. Lost in time. Yeah. Well, I like- Because there's nothing to tether in. hearing as well of that it's it's been your father who's been coming back. Uh, but, yeah, you find out that, no, that's not the case. And maybe eventually you, you save your father. Yeah. Um, well, and you, you save even- him from actually, like, you almost set a paradox in motion in the fact that you stop him from, 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 making- from um, you know, trialing it out because something happened, um, you know, yeah, when, when he went from, to trial it out. From, or even from uh, creating the technology in the first place. Yeah. I, that could be a really, like, bittersweet ending of- you Like, maybe it's one of these things where, where your parents always tell the story of, like, when they first had this epiphany of that this could work and they were together and, like, they both sort of came to it at the same time and then they had this amazing evening of, like, discussing it and that's part of how they fell in love. And it was something, like, they saw, like, I don't know, a fucking- A ghostly presence. <laughs> and it was you. <laughs> <laughs> I was more thinking they see something in nature and you essentially go back and prevent them from seeing it so that they'd never create it and thus wiping out your own existence and creating a paradox. But it could be interesting if part of that was sort of caused by you as well. And you could go with the, the inevitable um, sort of future timeline thing where- So, you go back specifically- mm-hmm to stop them from doing it, but it turns out that it was you that they saw that even- that inspired them in the first place and it was inevitable the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do like- I do actually really like that. That's um, cool. That, you know, fate is actually something that <laughs> that we sort of came up with, as in, you know, yeah. human beings actually came up with. Well, yeah, and I think- Or- I love that or, idea Or of- no, sorry. Uh, fate, fate, is, fate is always going to happen, so- your father was fated to, to disappear through time. Well, and therefore, I don't know that it's, you it's set more, everything in motion by trying to stop it. Yeah, sort of. It's more just about that. I think they call it the bootstrap paradox because uh, I've been watching a lot of dark. Well, I haven't watched it in a bit, but um, where, yeah, essentially, like, the thing itself creates itself by going back in time and introducing itself to the person who created it, essentially. Um, and so, it, it literally has no beginning uh, and, and so, yes, you're- It's more just that the timeline is fixed. Like, you can't mm-hmm. actually change it. And, yes, it's that you went back. And I think you, you try to obfuscate it as much as possible. Like, they don't describe a ghostly figure. They describe, like, the way that something moved or, like, that- a, a spoon that dropped, like, fell in this weird way or something, and it turns out it's because you were there and it bounced off your foot. I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, whatever it is. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm just- I'm seeing, um, you know, the childhood moments that you play through, and then you see it from the other point of view when, you know, things that yeah. you're doing there, yeah. um, you know, don't necessarily happen at the same time 
because you do have some free will somewhat in, in this, in this situation. But, you know, you know now, oh, if I get damaged here, there's actual consequences to your person or whatever. So say your hand is about to go into a, into a chopper sort of thing. Yeah. And you actually lose a finger because of it. So you know, okay, no, I really need to be, um, careful with this because I don't have, you know, so many fingers. I don't, um, I need to, need to make sure that every, me in the past is actually safe. That's what I'm trying to do. Keep myself safe. Right. Yeah. It, oh, look, it, it would definitely be hard to, to actually have those be the same exact experiences from the different sides. So, yeah, I think what you're saying is you see different experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or di- yeah. Or different experiences that you didn't realize were part of this whole situation. Yeah. Yeah. It would be challenging, but that would be a really fun. Yeah. That's, that's cool. Awesome. Oh, I love it. Uh, I like this. Yeah, I do like this second chance clickage. <laughs> <laughs> right, and well. to think I came up with it in the last half an hour before <laughs> episode 200 last week. Good stuff. So, I think we're going to end it there this week. Mm-hmm. Thank you for joining us on BitStorm. Uh, if you want to find all of our other episodes online, go to podchaser.com slash BitStorm. You can view them all there. You can open them in whatever app. You like to use, subscribe, follow, do all the good stuff. We're also part of the 8-Bit Collective, and this is a group of podcasters, mostly from here in Australia, who do stuff about pop culture and video games and a number of different things. Tons of good stuff. So, go to 8bit.net and check those out. Yep. We'd also like it if you could check out the Australasian Gaming Podcast Network on Facebook or at AGP Network on Twitter for all your gaming podcast needs that come from Australia. We'd like to thank the wonderful musicians at Curadust for the use of the song Mount Defiance off of the album Containment Failure, and you can find that on Bandcamp. Yeah. So thank you again for joining us this week on BitStorm. I'm Ben Slinger. I'm Trevor Scott. BitStorm? They haven't released an episode in 20 years! (laughs) (laughs) 